Good morning, my brothers and my sisters. This is the Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School Time. Bishop William L. Shields is our pastor. We will be teaching today and learning today from the book of 2 Kings about a prophet of wisdom. I probably wager with most of you who, who wager that you've never dealt with this particular character, but we're going to deal with her today, and you're going to be blessed by her story, but not just because of her story, but because of what it's going to do in your life and for you. Second Kings chapter 22, we're going to begin at verse 14, but before we do that, let's pray. Let's ask God to teach us what, he, what the lesson is tailored to teach us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we, your people, have gathered with open minds and open hearts to hear from you. We've heard from the internet. We've heard from the encyclopedia. We've heard from the news anchors. We've heard from the people in the barbershop. We've heard from the people in the beauty shop. We've heard from the talking heads. We've heard from people who give, who pontificate daily, telling us what we ought to think and do. We've heard from our family. We've heard from our friends. We've heard from our, our enemies. We've heard from our Loved ones, now, God, we need to hear from you. That's why we gather every Sunday morning for no form or fashion, but God, we want to hear from you. You have the words of life. This morning, God, we thank you that you're still on the throne, that your word still works, that the blood still works, that salvation is still free. That communication with you is doesn't have to have a card or an access code. We thank you that you know the very hairs on our head. We thank you that you've blessed us and kept us and watched over us and stood by us. And you will continue to do that in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your loving kindness, your goodness, and your grace. We thank you for your peace and your power. Now, God, we need healing on the phone this morning, all the way to New York. All the way to Guam, where we have a listener. Heal right now, Chicago, Atlanta, Norcross, Lawrenceville, Duluth, uh, Covington, Conyers, Decatur, City of Atlanta proper. Heal God. Financial healing. Physical healing. Heal us from the pandemic, God. Not just us, the whole world. We know you can. You've done it before, and you're going to do it again. We are assured you will do it, God. It's been a difficult year, but we got through it. Hard times, but we got through it. Difficult circumstances, but you brought us through it. And you will see us through to the end. Your plan is perfect. We, we know that you've already told us that, that, that you know the plans you had for us. Plans to prosper us and give us a hope and an expected end. So we thank you, God. We rest in the knowledge of knowing that you are still God. And beside thee, there is none other. You want elected God? You want selected God? You're just God all by yourself. And for this, we say thank you and we praise you. Now, God, as we study your word, teach us what you want us to know. Lead us where you want us to go. Keep us where you want us to be kept. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Thank God. And all the people virtually said Amen. Good morning to you once again. 
I'm excited about our lesson because I'm excited about every lesson, but this one in particular because there's so much here uh, that you may not have thought about during all your time of Bible study. And if you have, if you know all this already, then uh, uh, you just absorb what we'll do this morning and you can let us know later. You already knew this. The lesson background, I have to, I have to give you this background. It's a little uh, elongated this morning only because everything is about context. And the Bible is about context. And your daily walk is about context. As you study any type of history, you have to understand the historicity of the, of the history lesson, the context, and the flavor of what's going on at the time. Nothing happens in a vacuum. You with me so far? Nothing happens in a vacuum. Now, the other thing you have to do is to open your mind to the possibility of learning something you might not know. And you have to put yourself inside the scripture. You have to see it. You have to taste it almost. You, 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 have, to, you have, to, have, to, have to be inculcated into what's going on so that it comes to pass. Now, Israel, as you know, it was never, ever, ever God's plan for Israel to have a king. N never God's plan. Uh, God wanted the children of Israel, like he wanted us, and like he wants us, to rely on him, to have a theocracy. Not a democracy, not a republic, not a monarchy, to de depend on him. But the children of Israel, because they were envious of their neighbors, let me say that one more time, because they wanted to be like their neighbors who had kings, a ruler, they asked God to give them one. What they missed when they're doing the calculation is that every king in the surrounding area got there by brutal physical combat. They killed their way to the top. That's what the kings did. And so it was when you ask God to do something for you that's outside the plan of God, because he is gracious and merciful, he may, in his permissive will, Elder Davis, allow something to happen. It's just not his best for you. So it was with the king. So it was with the, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Uh, 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 they, they had many kings, and many of them were horrible. When I tell you horrible, I mean horrible. In the line of succession that we're going to talk about today, uh, King Josiah we're going to be introduced to. King jo uh, uh, Josiah's father was Ammon. And King Josiah's uh, grandfather uh, was Hezekiah. So, so, so Ammon and, and, and Manasseh and other kings that came up during that time, they defiled the house of God. The very temple of God had become a place of idol worship. Did you hear what I just said? The very temple of God had become a place of idol worship. I could draw a parallel to some stuff that's happening today in the modern church, uh, what, what, what Bishop likes to call the apost apostate church. But you can see it if you turn the TV on, where there's no, no reference to the cross, no reference to the blood of Jesus, no reference to salvation. It's all about cash, cribs, and cars. They defile the very house of God for profit, not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, but P-R-O-F-I-T. But they were so disgusting in what they did that they, even in the temple of God, they had an idol, idols established and they went there and worshiped them. 
Our lesson takes place today during the reign of King Josiah, who was Judah's last good king. Listen, like his great grandfather, I may have said grandfather, I'm sorry, Hezekiah, Josiah tried to bring religious revival to Judah. Watch now, Josiah is not trying to expand Judah's territory because by this time there's been a civil split and a civil war almost between Judah and, and Israel. The southern kingdom, which is Judah, uh, the southern kingdom, which had followed Israel, the northern kingdom. Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. Ten and two tribes as they split up. And all of the kingdoms at the time, all of them, both north and south, had embraced idolatry. Embraced it. They liked it. Josiah became king, watch this, watch this, when he was eight years old. Here's the thing. Because he was eight years old, those around him, those courtiers, thought he could be manipulated and that he could be be pushed to do certain things by edict and decree. But watch. It was said of him, though, that Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. You can see that in 2 Kings 22 and 2. We can conclude, my brothers and my sisters, that there were godly influences around him to mold him because at age 16, Josiah began seeking the Lord. That sounds like some of your testimony, that you, like me, had a drug problem. You were drugged to church. You were drugged to Bible study. You were drugged to YPWW. You were drugged to BTU. You were drugged to choir rehearsal. You were drugged to children's church. You were drugged to Sunday school. Yeah, you were drugged to the Easter program. You were drugged to to the to the Christ, to the Christmas program. Why? Because your mother and your father and your other influences around you wanted you to have foundational teaching so that you would have a solid foundation so you would know the ways of God and so that you could make your a decision based on a a, a, a set of ethics that were godly. They weren't trying to punish you, weren't designed to hurt you. And parents, may I say to you, may I say to you, yes, 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 please, it's fine to get them the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. It's fine to get them the Wii. It's fine to get them the con the, 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 the console you can play games on TV. It's fine to get them every game. It's fine to get them everything on their cell phone. It's fine to get them every every toy. It's fine to get them everything that they want. It's fine to get them every set of clothes. It's fine to get them all kind of shoes. But parents, please, I, I adjure you by the name of God that you teach your children the foundational ways of the Bible. That's what's important. Oh, this boy, this boy, this boy, somebody around him taught him about the things of God. And at 16, this young king, Josiah, began sinking the Lord. At age 20, Josiah began to establish extensive religious reforms throughout Israel. Just because people are involved in idol worship doesn't mean you have to accept it. You have to go along with it. You don't have to do what they say just because they say it. Come on, president. Come on, vice president. Come on, senator. Come on, congress people. Come on, mayor. Just because people around you are corrupt doesn't make mean you have to be corrupt. You can do what God says because you're God's chosen person. <clears throat> now watch this. 20 years old. Josiah. Uh, I'm sorry, King Josiah was then 21. 
when Jeremiah's long prophetic ministry began. Remember that because you know who Jeremiah is. We'll come back to that in a minute. Jeremiah had a message against idolatry and, and, and King Josiah must have heard it and it contributed greatly to the reforms he was making. During Josiah's reforms, while the temple was being repaired, Hilkiah, the high priest, found a long lost copy of the law of Moses. Oh my God, they found the word. They found their way back to the word, the Pentateuch. First five books of the Bible authored by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You learned it as a child. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those books were found. They had not been being read in Israel because people weren't reading the Bible. They didn't call it the Bible. They weren't reading the word. The word has power. The word has substance. The word has what you need to make it every day. They found the Pentateuch. Watch this. Shaphan, the scribe, showed the book to King Josiah, and Josiah said, read it. I want to hear what the Lord said to my ancestors. At that time, when the king heard the words from Deuteronomy, chapters 28 and 29, you're familiar with it. You know about being blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed going in and blessed going out, blessed in the country, blessed in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, blessed in Macon, blessed in New York. All these blessings will come on you if you hearken unto the name of the word of the Lord thy God and to, to do them. But there's a second part that says, if you don't do them, all these curses are going to come upon you. And Josiah heard both parts of the, of the promise and it pricked his conscience and he said, we got to change some things. The Bible tells us very clearly what happened after that. He, he always thought, the behavior of those in the kingdom was bad because of idolaters that had been among them. But this particular thing bothered him and he rent his clothes. We'll, we'll get back to that because that, that's a sign of, of deep contrition. Now, here's what happens <clears throat> in verse 13 of 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah, having been introduced back to the word, hears from God, rents his clothes, and he makes a decree, a proclamation, a demand. Here's what it says in verse 13. Then we're going to jump to our lesson. Here's what it says. Josiah tells his people around him, Go ye, <clears throat> inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Do you see that? <clears throat> Josiah says to the people around the courtiers, all the advisors, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. To go and figure out and find out what God is saying and what he wants the king to do. Now, let's pick up there. Now, walk with me down the long red corridor into the king's chamber. Walk with me into the anteroom. Walk with me and you'll see a symbol there, this august group of people. They're all sitting around 
to figure out how to carry out the king's edict. Look at the seriousness, the solemnity on their faces as they know they've got to come back to the king with an answer that's satisfactory or they got a big time problem. You can cut the tension in the room with a knife. They got to make a decision and then they've got to get going. Let's, let's drop a mic inside that room and see what happens. <clears throat> Look at verse 14. So <clears throat> Hilkiah, the priest, and Akim, and Achbar, and Shaphan, and Asiah went unto Huldah, <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. Wait a minute. You just met a bunch of people here, and they all have a significant role. The names listed here were the group of officials in King Josiah's court who he sent to consult God concerning what was read to him out of the book that was found in the temple. Now watch how you put a team together. You want to go to the final four. Watch how you put a team together. First of all, you go get a preacher. Hilkiah the priest. You see that first person? The first person, the first person in charge, the first, the first person is a priest, the preacher. You got to go get a preacher who you know knows what he's doing. And the high priest, why you want to get the high priest? Because the high priest's job was what? Uh, Elder Robert Johnson, the high priest went before God on behalf of the people. That was his only job. He went before God on behalf of the people. That's the kind of preacher you need. You don't need a preacher that's got 17 cars. You don't need a preacher who's got 45 houses. You don't need a preacher who's got, who's got all this uh, uh, on, on, on TV every day and, 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 and on, 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 on different, different things. You need a preacher who's a pastor. I like the one we have, Bishop William L. Shields. I'm not honoring him like he's something other than a man. I'm just telling you, he fits the mold of what the resume should be of what God is looking for. One who goes to God for the people. That's what Helakiah did. Then he goes and get Hakim, the son of Shaphan, the scribe. Wait, wait, the scribe. Wait, 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 Elderware. Why you get a scribe? You got to have people who know the law, who know the word, who can teach the word who can interpret the word, who can tell you what the word means. You got to get you a good, you got to be involved with a good teacher. Got to get a good pastor, a good teacher. They're, they're talking to your team now. You're putting together your team. You're putting together your, the dream team. This is the person you got him because he discovered and brought the book of the law to King Josiah. When you find people who love the word, they only, they just love the word. They're not trying to make money on it. They're not trying, they just love the word. I, I, I love, I love Shaphan. Uh, because he loved the word. He brought the word to the, to, the, to the king and he read it like it was written. Did you notice that? He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't put his own interpretation on it. He just said, here's what it says. That's our job as teachers. And everybody on the phone is a teacher. You can teach somebody because somebody is listening to what you say. Now, then he went and got Achbar, the father of Elathon, who later became an official in King Jehoiakim's court. You got to have somebody on your team with some political influence, some natural influence, somebody who's well-connected, if you can find them, or at least connected to somebody who's connected to somebody who's well-connected. Yeah, you can find them, just three or four degrees of separation. Now, uh, Elohim became a 
official in King Jehoiakim's court, and he was the son of Josiah. Yeah. So you got to have your family in there. You got to have a family member somewhere around, people who know you before you got your teeth fixed. Yeah, you, you, you got to have people who know you. So, so when you're trying to front and floss, they can say, okay, now, don't make me tell your whole story. Got to have some family people involved. Now watch this. Um, and finally, finally, he went and got Asiah, who was identified as a servant of the king. Now this person is good because you got to have people with a servant's heart on your team. Elder Smiley, you you you, you got you can't have everybody who wants to be out front. Somebody's got to want to be a worker bee. This person became a a a a a a servant of the king. That's what we did with Asiah. Now watch this. These men, all men, okay, all of the men, set out to find Huldah, the prophetess. That. E-S-S tells you she was a woman. Wait, wait, wait. Elderware, stop. You mean to tell me, in biblical times, in a male-dominated society, that these men went to look for the advice of a woman. That's exactly what happened. Because God doesn't care about gender. You do. God doesn't care about race. You do. God doesn't care about ethnicity. You do. God uses those who are available. And God can anoint anybody. And these guys were smart enough to go looking for Sister Helda. And they went to her not to get a meal cooked, not to have her sew a button back on the uniform, not to have her work in the kitchen. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But they went to her because they wanted her to tell them what God had planned for Israel because of their disobedience, which the book of the law revealed. This probably included finding out from the prophetess what the people and the king could possibly do to turn away God's wrath and prevent the judgments where their sins and dollar deserve. Watch this now, because this is weighty and heavy. They haven't gotten to Huldah's house yet. They're going to go to Huldah and drop this weight on her. Sister Hulda, Madam Hulda, Prophetess Hulda. Listen, the king sent us to talk to you to interpret the book. And what you tell him to do, he's going to do. It's going to affect the whole kingdom, Sister Hulda. Uh, you got to understand, that's a heavy, heavy responsibility. Anytime God puts you over people, his people, no matter, no, no matter whether it's a small setting or a big setting, you got to be serious. You, 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 have, you, have to take it, you have to take it seriously. It could be one person, two people. You got to be serious about it. And because and, that's a weighty assignment the sister held a, held a had that these boys are bringing to her. Now, she's, she's a regular person. She's married. She's the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Horus. They, they gave you her whole resume. Yeah. She, she, she's, she's a wife and a mother. She got a lot of responsibilities. She's not just sitting around all day reading the word. She got to get some lima beans and fat back cooked. She got to get some, 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 some cornbread in the stove. She, 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 cause men weren't cooking back in those days. She, she got to get some lamb prepared, rack of lamb and unracked. Yeah. 
She's got responsibility. She's got stuff to do, but she still finds time to consult God, and God still finds time to consult her. Now watch this. <clears throat> and, and, and she's married to a man of high pro. Shashun works at the court now. He got a government job. He, 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 he got a government job. She, he's got a good job. She can't embarrass her family now because her husband's at the court. Now watch what, they, what the Bible says they did. They communed with her. In other words, they sat down and let her talk. Oh my God. Would, would we would sometimes let other people talk. If we would sometimes hear advice instead of always wanting to give advice. If we sometimes could, could, could give up the floor and let somebody else say what God is saying. They communed with her. Why? Because she'd been communing with God. Now, everybody that you talk to ain't talking about nothing. The prophet James Brown says sometimes they just, they just talking loud, but they ain't saying nothing. Now, they knew where she lived because she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college. Now, that's not the university. That's probably a, a, a place in Jerusalem that was being reconstructed as Josiah was trying to reconstruct the city of, Israel, of Jerusalem because it had fallen into ruin because the way the people had treated the temple and everything around it. Probably the second quarter of the new part. You can see now that God can use anybody. And may I tell you this? <clears throat> may I tell you this? He is waiting to use you if you are available. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to pastor. I'm not telling you you're going to be a preacher. I'm not telling you you're going to be an evangelist. I'm not telling you you're going to be a missionary. He just wants to use you if you're available. And the way he wants to use you, big or small, you ought to open yourself up to the possibility of being used by God. It'll round out your life. It'll make your life complete to know that on a daily basis, God is trying to use you for his purpose. Oh, my God. Yeah. It'll make life so sweet because you'll know that you've got a permanent job with the Lord. Just like Miriam, the prophetess in Exodus, just like Deborah, the prophetess during the judges, God has no respect of persons, so he called this woman, Huldah, to do what he wanted done, and she did it. Just so you know, God is sovereign. He can use anybody he wants to use for whatever he wants to use. Daryl Coley told me that. It is interesting. Watch this. Watch this, all you Bible scholars. It's interesting <clears throat> that both the prophet Jeremiah, who's got a book in the Bible, and Zephaniah, who's got a book in the Bible, were also prophesying at this time. Yet the king's messengers went to Holdah to hear from God. And it's not a matter of competition. <laughs> it's just that God can use who he wants to use at a particular time. But I find it fascinating, at least to me, that with both Jeremiah and Zephaniah out preaching, men, males, that this five, the five heartbeats, these guys that the King Josiah went out, went to this female named Huldah. That ought to make you glad that God can use who he wants to use, no matter who else is up there. God's not always looking for famous people. You know, God, God's not always looking for famous people. Sometimes God's just looking for people who will do what he says. Guess what? That's you. Now let's see what the prophets have to say. This verse says, <clears throat> uh, chapter 16, excuse me, chapter 15, and she, Hodah, said unto them, the men, thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man that sent you to me. Wait, let me start right there before I go to 16, because there's so much in that. 
Uh, they found Hodar. They went in. And 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 here's a hint for you preachers and for you parents uh, and for you businessmen. It's good for your for your marriage, for your for your, for for dating, for your for your interaction with other people. Always start with the word of God. She began her message by saying, "I'm not here to tell you what Huldah thinks." She said, "This or thus saith the Lord God of Israel." And you see that Lord is capitalized, and we've talked about it before. That's the pre-existent God. That's when that's the God that said to Moses, "I am." Am means pre-existent. I am that I am. I'm God because I'm God. These word also reveals a special relationship with His chosen people because He's telling Moses, "I'm the God of Israel," and then later He'll be the God of the. He's always God of the whole world in terms of of owning it and making it. But in terms of relationship, he starts his relationship with Israel. Then he expands it and adopts all us into the family. Uh, uh, Thus said the Lord God of Israel. Uh, all prophets talk like that. Joshua, Samuel, Nathan, Ajah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi. They want you to know whose name they're coming in. Tell the man that sent you. Notice that Hodah didn't refer to the king respectfully as his majesty or his highness or, or, or and didn't refer to herself as his humble servant. Hodah said, no, no, tell the man as, as contrasted with God that sent you the words that I'm about to tell you are coming from the Lord God. Hodah understood and we need to all understand that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And so God's no respect of persons. And Huldah said, I want to be careful. I'm not telling you this because he's king. I'm telling you this because the God said it. Now we're going to get to the, to the, to the sentencing phase. Yeah, we, 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 we've gone, we got a problem. We've been acting up. We've been idol, idolatrous. We, we've gone from the ways of God. We know we have. We go to God and say, what you, what you going to do, God? And now comes the sentencing phase. Watch what God tells Huldah to tell them. Thus said the Lord, this verse, I mean, verse um, 16. Thus said the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book, which the king of Judah hath read. Now, you got to understand how weighty this is. You all sitting in that room listening to Hodah speak in that, in that place, that little small place where she lived. Are you, are you hearing that she comes back and doesn't have great news? She doesn't say, uh, tell the king everything's fine, everything's good. God loves him. He likes how he combs his hair. He he likes what he dresses in. He he loves the cherry. He likes the camel. He's got no. She says this judgment time. Yeah, y'all y'all know it's judgment time. He said, I'm telling you what God says. It's just, you can go ask Jeremiah Zephaniah if you want to. It's judgment time. She says it's judgment time, and everybody's gonna have to bear brought on because everybody participate. She says, thus said the Lord, and then she added the word, behold which is normally used in the scripture calling for someone to pay close attention. Huldah then told them that God's message to the king is, Behold, I will bring evil upon the, this place and upon the inhabitants thereof. In many cases in scripture, the word evil refers to morally bad actions, but here it refers to God's judgment, which results from disobedience. The children of Israel have been disobedient to him, and so he had to judge them because he's a righteous God. The words, this place most likely refers to the land of Judah, which of course included Jerusalem. God promised 
to bring judgment on this place, meaning Judah and all its inhabitants. God's judgment would include all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. That book is probably the first five books of the Bible and probably the Deuteronomy curses. He said, we've got to do it because you get, you get the benefit of your bargain. He says, I will, not I might, I will bring evil, meaning that his mind was already made up and nothing could be done to change it. God, at that point, was fed up with his people. The warnings Moses gave in the law for disobedience were sure to come to pass. Judah's judgment was inevitable. When I was growing up, and maybe some of you go back this far, used to watch a, a show coming came on Friday night called Beretta. He had a song sung by Sammy Davis Jr. At the end of the song, he would say, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. So God's saying, I I'm coming to collect now. I've given you a long time. I've shown you so much grace. Give you a long time. You won't act better. You won't act right. I've, I've got to do what I've got to do. Now, this judgment, just so you know, is deserved. Here's what the next verse says, verse 17. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense. Watch how God reads the indictment. God's going to read the indictment now. This, <clears throat> these are the charges against you. You've forsaken me, number one. You've burned incense unto other gods that you might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. Undoubtedly, King Josiah knew the reason why God had promised to bring judgment upon his people because he read it in the book. Now, Hildar the prophetess confirmed God's reason for judgment. And it's fair because they had a covenant. They had a deal. They shook on it at Sinai and they turned from the way. God's people deserved his judgment because they had forsaken or abandoned him and replaced worshiping him with the worship of idols when they burned incense unto other gods. In other words, the people were burning, were worshiping idols when they burned incense while offering sacrifices to idols, sacrifices that should have been offered to God and him alone. God also said that his people worshiped other gods. Do you see that? They actually were worshiping other gods, which had been introduced to them by the people whom they conquered. That would provoke God to anger, too. The words, all the works of their hands, refer to both the sacrifices the people offered, as well as incense they burned to other gods. Later, the prophet Isaiah would declare how ridiculous it was to worship idols. This Idolatry is what provoked or caused God's anger. And the people try to pretend that they had a Flip Wilson spirit. The devil made me do it. The devil is a lie. You made you do it, God said to them. His, they, 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 he said they, they, wanted, they wanted to provoke me to anger. They had to because they knew better. They messed up a fundamental tenet of their relationship with God. Here's the deal. I'll protect you. I'll look after you. I'll give you favorite nation status. I'll make people worried about you. I'll give you a land that, that is great and, and wonderful and flowing with milk and honey. But let's look at the first line of the contract. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thy any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God would not tolerate being replaced by idols. Period. Point blank. Full stop. So they knew. Nobody was surprised. And God said, I've got to do it because we have a deal. I've got to fulfill my part. But now I want to show you something else. And here's where you get happy. Here's the happy, because you, sometimes when you read about judgment and God executing judgment, we get real sad and melancholy and start saying, oh, that's why we got the pandemic. Oh, that's why people died cancer. Oh, that's why my sister got sick. No, 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 no. That's, that's, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because God is always merciful. He always provides a way of escape. He's provided one in for the pandemic. It's called a vaccine. Yeah, don't, 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 don't do that to God. If, if we bring something on ourselves, we have to suffer the consequences, but don't, don't assign evil to God. Now watch, because I want you to see now, because now you're about to get excited, because don't you see the mercy and grace of God? Look at verse 18. Huldah tells them, but to the king of Judah, that's Josiah, this little boy who's been, been to Sunday school and YPWW and BTU, Ever since he was eight years old when he became king, 16, he gave his life to the Lord. 21, he decided to start doing what God said. He said, that boy, here's what I'm going to do for him. We sent you to inquire of the Lord. Thus shall ye say to him, thus said the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard. Wait, and he says, I'm going to show you all justice mixed with mercy. Huldah, the prophetess, not only had a message from God, for Jerusalem and Judah, but she also had one for good King Josiah. Yeah, she says, Huldah had referred to the king as the man that, thou, that, that sent you to me, but this time she refers to him as the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, emphasizing his position as leader over Judah. You got to have godly leaders. Again, the prophetess, prophetess uttered the words, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So there could be no doubt that the message she had for the king came directly from God. Oh, I love this. I love this. I love this. Look at verse 19. Oh, the, you're going to find yourself in the, in, in the Sunday school lesson day. You're going to find yourself in the Sunday school lesson day because whenever, whenever there's, a certain, there's a teaching about judgment, and you, you start to, the devil starts to remind you of past sin and remind you of past wrong and remind you that, uh, of all that. But that's not what God is teaching this morning. God is not after you. He's not going to get you. He's not doing that. He's not that kind of God. You've been forgiven. You've been washed in the blood of the lamb. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. Look at the mercy of God that holds our sins back to the king. Because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof that they should become a desolation and a curse and has ripped thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Look what repentance does. It pricks the heart of God. Look at the grace of God. God's unmerited favor. Look at how gracious God is to us. Look at how he loves those who come to him. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you, you did stuff you shouldn't have done. Yeah, you said some stuff you shouldn't have said. Yeah, you had some desire you shouldn't have. Yes, yes, God knows all that, but God said, but your heart was tender. You, you didn't, you, you, you are, you are contrite. God says, I got to distinguish you from everybody else. 
because you are standing up in court. And unlike those who stand up and know they're guilty and plead not guilty, God says you stand up in court and say, guilty, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. Yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did it. I don't know what was got into me. But I did it. God, forgive me. And there is God. There is Jesus standing there saying, I do and I will because your heart is tender. He, he, Josiah, received God's word, trembled at it, and yielded to it. He was exceedingly grieved by the sins of not only the people, but those who succeeded him in the, in the, in the line of succession to the throne. His heart was tender because he, he didn't want to see his people go the way of the heathen. He wanted God to show them mercy and grace and peace. So he rent his clothes and wept like Jesus did over Jerusalem. Jesus wept. He cried like you do when you know you've messed up. You know your children have messed up. You know people you love have messed up. You don't judge them. You don't beat them up. You don't take the Bible and hit them across the head. You pray even the more earnestly. And I'm telling you what I know for a certainty. God can feel the brokenness of this king. God says in verse 20, our final verse, Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace, and that I shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. The message that went back to the king was one of grace mixed with mercy, although justice has to, has to be mixed in. He says, God's going to be merciful to you, Josiah. And Holder went on to describe how God would show his mercy. How would he show it? He said, you'll be gathered into your grave in peace. This promise doesn't refer to the way Josiah would die because he got killed in battle. It refers to the time when he would die. God said, it will be before you've seen all the evil that I will bring in this place. In other words, God says, I'm going to take you out of the place before the Babylonian captivity. That is a precursor to how we'll be snatched away before the wrath of God hits the whole earth at the day of judgment. When Jesus returns, we're going to be caught up there to meet him in the air. No trials, no tribulations, no, no people jumping off buildings and can't die. No people wanting to die and can't. We'll be gone, y'all. We'll be gone, y'all. We'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Look at the mercy of God. And the same thing he did for Josiah, he's going to do for you. Either you will sleep away before the full wrath of God comes, or if you're alive, He's going to catch you up. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the end. Ever shall we be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. No matter how bad it gets, when it gets to be real bad, God's coming to get you. He's coming back. The trumpet will sound, just like last week. Just like last week when they, when they blew the trumpet in, in Jericho, the trumpet's going to sound. 
God's coming to get his people. Will you be ready? Go to God. Confess your sins. Be sincere. Change. Be contrite. But watch this. God loves you so much that he's willing to suspend your sentence. Oh, because you in his mind are not guilty because Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. I love God for revealing to us that he can use anybody for his purpose, including me and including you. And I love God because he's merciful unto us despite ourselves. God bless you. You go out and have a fantastic week. We love you and we thank God for you.